Red Five standing by. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Star Wars. No, no. I, I, yeah, no. I, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, I know that one. I know that one. <laughs> what is Star Wars? <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Happy Tuesday morning, everybody, or Tuesday afternoon, I guess. By the time, Tuesday morning. Is it Tuesday morning? It'll be Tuesday morning. Uh, this is episode 39 of On Taking Pictures, weekly podcast. We're talking about the art and science and sometimes philosophy of uh, making images, taking pictures, mm. making memories. I love making pictures. <laughs> yeah, you do. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com, and with me, my very favorite fancy photographer, Bill Wadman. How you doing, Jeffrey? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm doing really well, actually. Uh, I apologize in advance. You may hear me sneeze uh, occasionally. Uh, but I assure you that I don't think I'm coming down with a cold. I think I just have some sort of weird allergy to something. But maybe it's bird flu. What if you have bird flu? I hope I don't have A1, H, H1, H1, what is the one? Is that the SARS? H- what is that? H1A1, H1N1, H1N1, something. right? Yeah, yeah that, that would be that. scary. That would be bad. Yeah. But I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm 38 years old, um, relatively healthy otherwise. I, I think I could survive a lot of these things. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> it would suck to have you taken out by the bird flu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. How embarrassing. <laughs> um, hey, uh, j- just a few uh, little things. Yes. Uh, number one, please uh, go... Over to iTunes and review the show if you haven't yet. Uh, number there are two, some great reviews over there, by the way. We, we get some super reviews, and they make yeah. Jeffrey happy. So make they Jeffrey do. happy. <laughs> yeah. if, as long as they're five stars. Otherwise, don't write them. Um, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Go write whatever you want. Uh, and then also, if you like the show, uh, you know, let a few of your photographer friends know. We'd love to grow our listenership. Yes. Uh, speaking of which... Uh, some changes may be in store for uh, on taking pictures in the coming weeks. Go on. Uh, let's just say that we may be coming through loud and clear. Hmm. Cryptic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, keep an ear out for that. Yes. But uh, or both. This, this could be a good thing. Both ears. Yeah. So uh, you'll have more news about that coming soon. Exciting stuff, though. Yeah. Very exciting. Lots, stuff. lots of really cool stuff in the works. And. Uh, and and we're we're very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start today? We got so much to talk about. It's a big show. You know, maybe we should talk about the president. The president. Yeah, the president. You know, Barack Hussein Obama. Yes. Yeah. The. Uh, did you watch the inauguration? I didn't watch the inauguration. I, I flipped in and out. Uh, I did watch the inauguration actually. Um, I, I I was planning on going down actually because. I figured, when am I ever going to have the chance to go down again? I, I like the president, so I was like, you know what? I, maybe I should go down and see the president while I can. Uh, but, and I my mean, sister you, lives you down get there. Close, would you? No. Well, see, that's the thing. If you don't have tickets, you are at least back beyond the uh, Air and Space Museum, which is a good. I mean, you're not seeing the president in reality. You're, you're right. seeing a sea of people, and then the Capitol building with a sea of people in front of it. Right. Um. But, but, you know, just to be there, you know, it'd be sure. kind of a cool bucket list kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, the train tickets got expensive and Heather couldn't go. And I was like, you know what? I'll go next time. Uh, it was, it's kind of neat though. I, I just like the idea of like that. That's a historical kind of thing, you know, to be at, Oh, I was at a presidential inauguration, you know? Sure. Yeah. Any presidential inauguration. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but the reason I bring it up today is I just, you know, wanted to talk about that new presidential portrait. Have you seen the new, the new picture? Uh, is it the one, uh, the, the, the digital one that's, uh, in the oval office? Yeah. 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 With him smiling. I have seen this. Yeah. Uh, is, is, uh, it's all, it's all, it's all the rage now. This, this new picture, uh, also taken by our friend Pete Souza. Right. Um, also, uh, taken with a Canon camera. So this is a 5d Mark three. The old one was a 5d Mark two. Uh, the old one was shot on a on a twenty four to one hundred five zoom. This new one shot on the eighty five one two. Interestingly, check enough. a check a one two. Yeah, uh, but I, but I you know here's the, here's the point of this whole thing. First of all, there was that really cool picture that uh, that Andrew Catraro put up, right? Of him holding the reflector. Right, right. For, for the thing, I'll have to put that in the show notes for the original picture, which originally, apparently, the original, the the last one was taken on his camera with his lens because Pete Souza borrowed it so he could take the portrait. Right, which seems but like, he's, but he's in the photo on the la- like the last shot of the of the seat of the uh, session. Don't you think Pete Souza would have had one of these things? Uh, maybe not. Maybe he only had a medium format. Maybe he had a film camera. Who knows? He, he shoots with a five D two. Ah, well, maybe... I don't, I don't know, know where they were that they had to do this in such a short thing that, you know, whatever. Anyway, the point is, is that it just goes to show you, this is probably the most reproduced photograph on Earth. And... You think? More than even the uh, the Earthrise? I don't think so. I think the oh, Earthrise okay, still no, has Okay, no, I mean, be- like, modern, like, this year, I bet you this has been more places than anything. Okay. You know, it's the... It's the official portrait of the president. So it's on every press release, every article, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. And you got to think it's kind of crazy that they thought, you know, a 21 megapixels, you know, semi-pro digital SLR was perfectly fine for for this picture that has to go everywhere and do everything, you know, because it is, you know, this stuff is not that crazy. Um and then the new one was was taken with a 5D Mark III. So it's not even like they went out of their way to get fancy medium format backs and stuff. Just mm-hmm. goes to show you, you don't, you probably don't need more resolution than these cameras are giving you now. That's all. That's my point. Uh, probably. If it's, if it's good enough for Barack Obama, it's pro. If it's good enough for the president's <laughs> portrait, it's probably good enough for yeah. you know the new CEO of your local dairy yeah. mill or or the the senior session that you're going to shoot this afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's so silly. Anyway, yeah, I just he, thought it was. You know, he he's aged quite a bit. He has aged quite a bit, and but but you know, I was fascinated by the fact that uh, in the original portrait, that behind the scenes shot that Andrew put up, it's just it's kind of cool the way you think it's in some kind of room with the flags and everything already, but actually it's just a piece of, you know, a fifty something inch piece of paper. Yeah, it's just some seamless and uh, a couple of the flags that they had around. That's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought it would have been in an official room that they took the picture in, but really it was just in some weird little office building. Yeah, it looks like a like a storage room or a conference room or something. Yeah. It's so not, it just, there's just no elaborate set. Yeah. yeah, just goes to show you, you you know, you don't need a lot of room. 
You don't need a lot of fanciness. Uh, all you need is the president of the United States. <laughs> so you can call him up and, and you're good. And an umbrella. And uh, an umbrella. That's right. <laughs> all you need is the president and an umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yes. Um, it, also interesting that he was using uh, – he used a zoom on the first picture and a prime on the second picture. It's kind of neat, right? Uh, sure. Well, you know how I feel about zooms. Uh, yeah, you're not a big fan of the zooms. No, as a general rule of thumb, I'm not a fan of the zooms. Uh, but I don't know, something to put out there. Uh, hey, let's let's talk about your stuff. <laughs> My stuff? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah. Okay. I've been looking for a camera, right? We know this. Wait, you have? Uh, <laughs> but here it is. You know. I've realized I had an epiphany the other day okay. that uh, uh, my my search for a camera has has absolutely nothing to do with a camera, right? And and it's Very somehow meta. it has it's it's all about selvage denim, denim, selvage denim to okay. be specific. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're a jeans guy. You 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 fancy a a, a good pair of jeans. A I do specific I, pair of jeans. I do fancy a specific pair of jeans. Okay. So here here's kind of how it went. In in a nutshell, uh, the the best denim in the world used to be made in the United States uh, on on these these looms called shuttle looms, right? Okay. But it it got to the point where they needed to make more denim, and shuttle looms were only making thirty inch wide. Uh, denim with with these selvage edges, and in the fifties, when uh, jeans started to get huge, the demand started to rise. They sold all of these uh, shuttle type looms in in favor of these these uh, more modern uh, looms that could produce denim sixty inches wide instead of thirty inches wide, and it was less money. Okay. Right. So what happened was a lot of these, uh, there were some Japanese companies that ended up buying these old shuttle type looms and started making uh, selvage edge denim again. And what happened, you had this, this sort of rise of, of uh, these premium indigo dyed denims, which, you know, goes through this, this very elaborate uh, dyeing process. Uh, and then, and then this looming process to make this just incredibly uh, rich and durable denim. Okay. Okay. So uh, the idea is that that yes, you can spend three or four hundred dollars on a pair of jeans, but they're not going to clothe or protect you any better than a twenty dollar pair of jeans, or Wrangler jeans, or something. Right. Okay. Sure. Right. So in 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 looking at all of these these, uh, cameras, um, when, when I'm, when I'm going through this, I'm realizing that, that, that it really doesn't matter, right? Uh, that, that the camera is, is almost, and I think this is something to do with digital, but I haven't quite made that corner yet. It's, it's almost a lifestyle accessory more than it is a tool. The camera. The camera. Okay. If if you are uh, you know a, a wedding shooter, you're going to go get yourself a five D two or a five D three, and you're going to get the seventy to two hundred because that's what wedding shooters use. And, and a twenty four to seventy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because because that's that's what you do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if 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 you're uh, and then there's the whole Nikon Canon debate, which is you know what's better, what's worse. Uh, 
Uh, and it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. True. N- none of this matters. Uh, you know, you, you've got a 5D3, you've got an 85-1-2, but, uh, you know, I could give you uh, a T2i and a kit lens and you would still take fantastic pictures. I would uh, – fantastic, arguable, the same pictures, yes. Right. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm, I've been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and the, one of the reasons that I do this kind of thing is I, I do this kind of thing on everything because I never have buyer's remorse. I do enough research and I do enough uh, looking into things that, that I don't get buyer's remorse so when I buy cars or whatever it is. By the time you buy it, you're so exhausted, you don't have enough energy to be remorseful <laughs> about it. <laughs> that may be. That may be. Uh, but, you know, we live in an amazing time for, for photography right now. Uh, it, it, but it's also a challenge in that um, film cameras, by and large, uh, it came down to the type of film you were using. If you used a, a Pentax K1000 or a, or a Nikon F5, there's arguably very little difference in the way the picture was going to look just based on those two factors. Yeah, the, the pictures would look the same on those two cameras largely if you used the same film on them. Right. And reasonable quality lenses and technique, yeah. Right. Uh, we've gotten to a point now where there's a signature to uh, a photograph based on the type of camera that you, that you use, whether it's a color signature or, or a grain signature or, or uh, uh, do you, know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to get to? Uh, I, I do. Uh, I, I would just say, though, that I think that the differences between, say, you know, a picture shot on Nikon and a picture shot on Canon are far more minor than the difference between a lot of films. Agreed. Agreed. But for some reason, th- they are still perceived by many as – you know, these, these sort of enormous gaps in, in quality. True. And I don't think that it's something that, it, that, that you can measure, that it's some sort of quantitative difference, that it's, 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 all, in, it's all in my head is, is what it comes down to. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether I get X camera or Y camera, I'm still going to be unsure of how to figure out what my key light should be re- in relation to my fill light. <laughs> you know, I'm yep. still going to struggle with, you know, how do I, how do I deal with these leading lines and not make this person's nose look enormous? Uh, so uh, I just need to be done with it. And I, I think okay. a lot of people, go ahead, go no, ahead. That, no, no, finish what you're saying. Uh, I think, I think there are people that, that, that may be going through a similar type of thing, especially those making the jump from amateur to prosumer or wanting to go from one level to another or the perception of going from one level to another and having been sold this sort of bill of goods that, that, that tells you that the gear is what makes the difference. Okay. And it doesn't. No. It simply does not. No. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, you know, I've been going back and forth and trying every camera under the sun. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So if you know all that, and you've probably known all that for a while, why do you still obsess? Uh, there, see, okay. Th- there isn't much difference between the output of a lot of these cameras when it comes down to all of it, and you see a certain picture and you put it up on your wall as a 13-inch print. Right. There is a big difference between cameras as far as taking the pictures from an ergonomic or comfort point of view. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there is also or frustration the, point of view on the opposite side. There's a perception and it's maybe not a perception between client and photographer because, or maybe it is, but I think there's a, there's a perception, uh, between photographers, uh, of what type of gear you use. Okay. Oh, you, you know? mean like, oh, ooh, that guy's using a whatever, like that kind of right. stuff? Right. There's, you know, you don't want to show up to shoot a wedding with, with uh, uh, gear that's not as good as some of the guests at the wedding are carrying. Okay. The, <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Ye- there, okay. There, y- yes. Whether that's real or imagined, that, that thing does exist. And I'm not picking on wedding photographers in particular. I don't mean to. I'm just using that as an example. Nice picking on wedding photographers. Poor people. They. I'm not. Ugh, I'm not picking. They on have to go wedding. to weddings all day long. <laughs> um, I mean, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Okay. Um, yes, I do believe that that sort of stupid bigotry exists. I do think it's a bunch of BS. Sure. Um, I think that. I think that it comes along the lines of, oh, your shoes weren't made in Italy kind of thing. That, that, that's the way it feels. Right. And you know what I have to say to that? The portrait of the president of the United States was taken on a 5D Mark III, which yeah. is not a super high-end pro camera. So bite me. Yeah. <laughs> it's all how you carry yourself. Right. You know? right, right, right. I think that that's what it comes down to. Right. And what you... It, what I, one of the things I need to keep coming back to and, and maybe in, in this sort of current climate where everybody's in, not everybody, but so many people are including EXIF data. So you can see what type of camera, what lens, what settings. Uh, Couldn't you find equally good examples of any one of those combinations though? how, How do you mean? What do you mean? Okay, you see a great picture that was taken on a 5D. You see a great picture that was taken on some Nikon thing. You take a, see a great picture that was taken on some Sony thing. Right. But, see but, a great but, picture that was taken on an iPhone 4. What I'm know? saying is is that information is, in some circles, weighted as heavily as the content of the photograph. Okay, well, those circles are stupid. Well, be that as it may, they, I'm, not, I'm not arguing whether they're stupid or not. I'm, I'm simply pointing out that they do exist. Okay, but I don't, I don't, yes, they exist, but you know, there's people who won't like you because you're not wearing $500 shoes. Those people exist. Are they right? (laughs) Uh, No. Right. So then, then aren't we in the same place or back? I think so. Yeah. Back to the same place. So it it, it really, I I think that yes, these things exist. Yes. These people are, 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 have these opinions, but I think when it comes down to it, those are meaningless in the larger scale of what you're trying to do. Sure, sure. You know, it's like uh, I just find it all interesting. I don't I think that Pollock was using Pollock used like you know house enamels, didn't he? When yeah, yeah. he was painting. Okay, yeah. well, you know what? But it, but oh, he's not using actual cadmium. What? It's, who cares? You know, that's kind of the thing, though. Is is in that circle in in an art circle, uh, you don't. I mean, it would be akin to to seeing in addition to the title and and maybe a description of the painting. What brand paint they use. Yeah, what brand of paint, what type of brushes, right. you know, is this, is this, you know, duck canvas or linen right. or, right. you know. The, 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 fi- the final picture should speak for itself. Right. That, that, right. That's what I'm trying right. to get to. And, and I've been letting all of this sort of photographic ephemera 
affect my decision or clog my decision. And it, and it doesn't really matter. You get the one that feels good in your hands and that, that gives you the end product that's good because it's not going to be the end all be all tool that you're going to use for the rest of your career. True. Uh, you know, I, I had watched, I've been watching a lot of documentaries the past couple weeks cause I've been mm-hmm. trying to get, I've been trying to get away from watching TV that doesn't actually get me anywhere. Sure. Uh, so, so we watched, uh, people versus George Lucas a couple okay. weeks ago and then I watched special when lit, uh, last week. Uh, so, I've, I have seen that. I love that one. Okay. I so seen so people versus George Lucas is about people bitching about how George Lucas, you know, changed the Star Wars movies and the special editions and how he ruined their childhood by making uh, the the prequels and the prequels were crappy or whatever these people complained about. Right. It's a movie. There have <laughs> always been movies. I was a big Star Wars fan when I was a kid too. I'm 38. I'm still not worried about what George Lucas is doing with Star Wars, you know? Right, right. Um, and then in Special When Lit, there's a scene from some designer of, of pinball. Uh, special one lit complete documentary about uh, the, the rise and history of, of pinball. Yeah, of pinball. Yeah. And there's a scene where the guy's designing the, the, the game and he's talking about how uh, he he loves the, the, the patterns that have to happen for you to win. You know, mm-hmm. if you get a ball up here and then it spins around and does this stuff and then you get a ball up there again and then you get up there a third time, this light lights which causes you to know that you have to shoot it up here to get this light to light, which causes this ship to rock back and forth, which causes a five ball multi-ball to come down. Right. And that causes you to have to hit this. Th- and then he's just like, and that's a pretty simple thing that I think anybody could do if they really, you know, put their mind to it. And you're just like, <laughs> I watched you, the designer describe what I'm supposed to do. And I still can't follow what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. You think I'm yeah. supposed to know one out of 400 lights that are on this thing means something. Yeah. Like you, you are so lost in minutia that you can't even see the forest for the trees. Yes. Uh, and I think that that happens in all of this stuff. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, and I think it's the same thing with the cameras and the lenses and the gear. I mean, we have friends that are big gear people, right? You sure. Know? Sure. And it's like, they think that, you know, a certain lens or a certain camera is going to change the way they take pictures. I've I've been through the stuff that's on my portfolio was taken with I think five different cameras. It all still looks like my stuff. Sure. The cameras didn't make that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I like my camera. I think it takes good pictures. I like the files that I can then work on, but those are none of that's making that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. And if you think it is, then you're deluding yourself. You know, I mean, I think that there's very specific things that make, you know, if you, if you need a tilt shift lens, well, then you need a tilt shift lens, but that's very special effect kind of stuff, you know? Sure. Um, and, you, but you watch these documentaries like the, the George Lucas and the special one lit and you think you people are spending this much time and mental energy thinking about three movies that you could watch in five hours. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like that much time and energy? You got to be out of your mind. Go live your life. Go watch another movie. There's other movies out there and some of them are better than Star Wars. Um, And I just, it's like, I think that people, people like a sense of control over something that is inherently uncontrollable. Yes. And I, okay. Uh, Yeah. I think, I think that, 
that's kind of gets me back to the epiphany that, that I've had over the past couple of weeks, you know, in, in and out of this epiphany um, that it's I am I am process driven more than result driven at the moment, at, at least in my personal work. I, I think that that is fine. And I think that being engrossed in the process is fine because that's, as we talked about last week, that's where the experience is. That's where the humanity is. Mm-hmm. Not in the final product, but in the in 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 the steps that it took to get there. Right. Uh, but what is the purpose of doing those steps? It's to have a final product. Exactly. They're, they are the yin and the, the yin. Exactly. And, the and it's it's gotten to the point where. You know, you can't lose sight of either of those things. Right. You can't. Um, the other, the other thing that, that we often get caught up in is this idea that, uh, sort of, uh, release cycles of things. Yeah. Um, you don't want to come in at the last six months of a release cycle because there's something new on the horizon. True. You don't want to come in at the first six months of the release cycle because inevitably in the there are bugs that have to be worked out and fixed in manufacturing. So the sweet spot is kind of, you know, nine to 14 months into you know, whatever. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's funny to me that these kind that, that this is where we've gotten that we think about these kinds of things. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. just to buy a tool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think that that has to do with the mass production of this stuff. And I, I just think that it has, well, it's the marketing too, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't read, I mean, every once in a while, if it's the middle of the night and I can't sleep, I'll load up Canon rumors or Nikon rumors and just look at what they're talking about. Right. But most of the time I don't, I have no idea what's coming up. You know, right. I find it interesting that they're coming out with new stuff, but that, and maybe those tools will change the way I work, but I doubt it. Uh, so I don't really think about it all that much. Uh, well, you know what I have lost sight of in 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 recent years, months, whatever, is this idea that just because something new comes out doesn't negate how good the previous iteration of whatever that thing is was. Oh yes, it does. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. No, no, absolutely. Right. I mean, look, I, I had friends who were still shooting with the original 5d up until a few months ago. Yeah. And it's, Uh, but it's just funny. It's like, Oh, well this is, this is better. So this thing that you were using for two years is now crap, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's funny to me. Yeah. No, it's, Again, this all perception, all excuses, all the the people who are really doing this stuff and are really rocking and rolling, they're not thinking about this stuff, right? You know, and I think that's they're I using twenty five year old pro photo lights that they bought in nineteen seventy eight, right? Know? Right? Yeah, they've got a studio filled with those and like yeah. Norman A two hundred Bs or something. Yeah, and it's like they're <laughs> just you know they're just taking their pictures. Well, right. back in the day. You know, you, you don't want a Leica, a new, I mean, other than the digital Leicas, you don't want a new Leica. You want an old Leica. Right, right, <laughs> So right, there right, used right. to be something about having vintage cameras. So will there eventually be a thing for vintage digital cameras? Oh, yeah, because he shot this, this entire product this, line on a D70. Yeah, hmm. yeah. This, was, this particular thing had yeah. this, there was this, there was this particular grain little, structure of yeah, the yeah, original yeah. digital rebel that, you know, it's like, really? 
I'm sure I'm sure there are people out there playing that game. I'm sure there's that some art gallery neat. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, like this sort of fetish digital Yeah. Uh, that's look at, interesting. Look how low res it is. Yeah. You know. Uh of course that stuff happens. You know, that stuff's always going to happen. Like all the work has to be 3 megapixels or below. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had I I knew a guy once who used to take pictures of uh staticky televisions with a little handheld digicam and then he would blow them up and so so and and not resample them so that like you could actually just see the pixels oh wow and and it was art he used to show in galleries you know huh. so the, the the art world man that's a whole other <laughs> that's an that's another that's another series of shows all right so what is what is the what is the ultimate conclusion of this does this mean you've uh, the, decided on a camera? I I think so. And what have you decided on? I'm not going to say because I don't have it. I want to have it to talk about. Have you ordered so I think, it? I think next. I uh no, but I think I'm ordering it today because <laughs> yesterday was a holiday, so nothing was going to get done. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I think I think today, maybe after the show, uh, it, you know, here it is. Here, you know, basically. It's it's between. Uh, should no, I say don't, no don't say it. Don't say no. I will. I'll tell you what it's between. It's between the crazy people in your head and the other crazy people in your head. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so enough about. It. So it's, it's good. It's 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 good. It's good. All right. Hey, you know, I was watching that documentary, the uh, Richter documentary. Gerhard Richter painting. Gerhard Richter. Yes. Yeah. He's a he's an interesting cat. He's all over the place. Yes. His work is all over the place. Uh I didn't finish the documentary yet cuz uh it has subtitles and in the middle of the night it's very difficult to read and watch at the same time. Yes. Uh but I brought it up for a couple of reasons. Number 1, I think it's interesting when he steps back. This guy's been around for 40 years. Right. Right. When he steps back in the documentary after looking at something and playing with it for two hours, mm-hmm. and he says, "Oh, you know that one's better than this one," and oh, it's it's very bright. It's very oh, that one speaks to me, and oh, there's something nice going on in the middle there. You know, he he talks in these very vague artistic terms, right? Sure. And I just wonder what it's like being around for forty years. How much of that is just this is what people want to hear, so that's what I say, and how much is actually authentically what his mind is thinking, you know? Or because he famously in the documentary talks about how you can't use words to describe art because words are art, and therefore you're missing the whole point, right? But there he is making saying words about his own art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, dude, you're breaking your old cardinal rule here. You know, um, so how much of, of, of that kind of stuff is authentic and how much of it is just a bunch of, you know, I'm selling this million yeah, dollar painting. People are expecting yep. me to, to pontificate, you know, bring bring the pretense, as it were. Uh, and I, I just wonder what it's like to be one of these guys who if he doesn't say anything or if he does say something, it probably really doesn't matter all that much. But he's saying stuff at, at this point in his career. Yes. It's yeah. interesting. Do you, do I mean, you, could you say the same thing about about photographers? Sure, you could. Yeah. Does Mark Seliger need to say something, or Saul Leiter need to say something about his work? 
Right. And and in saying something, do, do, do does that awaken some sort of appreciation or or uh, an aesthetic that I didn't see beforehand? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Saul. Uh, but one of the other things I liked about it was that there was a scene where they were going left to right across little five, six inch prints, mm-hmm. photographs of his works. Right. In a timeline. And you could see, and it was like across a whole room. And you could see, you could go from like his earliest work to his most recent work. And they were showing how. The process, how it how it had changed, right? How oh, his work had evolved. Yeah, it evolves, it evolves, it evolves, and then boom, huge change, and then it boom, it goes back to the other thing, like the the next one. Like he he he'll, he'll go somewhere and say, no, 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 that's not where I wanted to go, and come back mm-hmm. to the main timeline, mm-hmm. and then it moves forward and it evolves slowly, and then maybe it ends up where that weird one, the the outlier was, but it ends up there, twelve paintings down the line. Right, 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 right. I just I just found it's it almost like it was a sketch. Like yeah. he did a sketch and said, "Yes, this is where I want to get to," but I didn't. I didn't get there the way I should have gotten there. I can't. I can't jump right there. Yeah, I have to. I, have I can't to take an airplane. I have to walk. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just thought it was really cool. I just thought maybe there's a way to do that, especially now with, uh, with things like Lightroom or whatever it is, where there's everything is cataloged with metadata. Mm-hmm. That I could say, give me all of my five-star pictures and put them in chronological order. And go through and look and maybe even turn it into a movie. Like a one-second-a-picture kind of thing. Sure. And and kind of see how how what you thought was five stars in 2007 stacks up to what you think is five stars now. Yeah. Is uh-huh. that interesting? I think it is. I, you know, I, I love the idea of going back and looking at work. And I think – when we when we printed things or when we had the the little you know the little envelopes of of four by sixes that you got from f- the photo lab that was something that and and maybe this is just my own experience but it's something that i would do often go is back go and, back look, at and look at my work but I, in the last 4 years i have rarely gone back to look at anything and maybe that's maybe that's something else entirely but there was something to going back and looking at at, at photographs, and I, I wonder if that's still the case with people. Um, okay, I think that people, you know, it's that's that's an interesting question. Uh, yesterday, I don't know how it came up. Heather, and I was looking for something, and I happened upon the folder of pictures I have of my nephew, and I talk about Bert a lot, and you would think that, you know, I have a billion pictures of him, but I don't. I have you know a few hundred pictures of him. Mm-hmm. Many of which were taken on a few particular days, you know. Right. Oh, Bert's the day Bert was born. I took you know 150 photos at the hospital and all the rest of it. And then there are pictures when they came to visit, or pictures when I was down there for Christmas, or you know, there's a few different sets. And we sure. we actually went backwards chronologically from set to set, basically through envelope to envelope, mm-hmm. and flipped through the pictures. I tend to do that, and th- there's, I mean. Look, the, if you watched some sort of weird presentation from the 1980s that one of these computer companies would make, they would say this is the promise of this kind of stuff is that you can have all your pictures handy all at once, you know, mm-hmm. that whole thing. You don't think that's true? 
you think that it's so many that it's overwhelming. Well, you know? I, I mean, I certainly think that you that you do have all of them at once. But yeah, I mean, when look, we, we've we've gotten to the point where uh, I think very few photographers are going to go out to shoot whether it's an event or, or uh, you know, a, a family gathering or, or whatever, and shoot 24 pictures, 36 right. pictures. You think they'll shoot less or more? I think they'll shoot more. Okay. They'll shoot hundreds. And the, 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 the part of being, and I, I, I cringe at even saying this, but the part of, of being a digital photographer, Ooh. if I can use that just for a second. Hold on a second. I need to cringe. <laughs> are you done are you there yeah okay go ahead uh it is that you do have such an enormous body of work and part of what goes along with with being a digital photographer is being an editor and we've talked about editing a little bit but th this idea of you know you're never going to look at this again so why keep it yeah. Or you know it's a one star that you're you're probably never going to look at again. So why keep it? But we do, and it ends up you end up with you know 18 terabytes of, of photographs that maybe you look at, maybe you won't. Um, you think people should trash everything they don't really care about? If not trash it, at least take it off the main system and archive it somehow. Okay. Get it get it out of the main flow of of these these images these memories these these scenes that you're that you're trying so hard to create does that does that make sense yeah i just it's like where's the line is the line you know well that kind of stars or is the five right okay yeah that gets i, I throw out i generally throw out stuff unless it's like something like the birth of my nephew i will keep all of those just because maybe there's something i didn't notice you know the first right. time through right uh, but if it's a shoot for a client, yeah, I throw out the stuff that didn't come out. I, but see, did be, now, back in the day, you had professional photographers. If you were some studio guy back in the day, you shot a lot of film, too. These people would shoot roll after roll after roll after roll. Sure. Uh, and all of those are kept because they're negatives, right? So wasn't there the same problem then? You're just saying that everyone now has the problems that the series people had 20 years ago. Yeah, I think that's part of it is, is that there's we, – we've all become librarians. We've all become you know, archivists in, in some way because we've got this sea of, of photographs, whether they're you know, snapshots or great shots. Right. <laughs> Who said that? That's a know. book, right? Somebody, yeah. There's, <laughs> I think there's a plug-in that does it. There's a workshop title somewhere. Yeah, um, but we, but we have we've become we've become librarians in a sense of of trying to keep this larger catalog at bay and and searchable and indexable and uh, that becomes very difficult. You know, the I think maybe of we the should, digital age. Yeah, I in fact I would love to do a show about workflow. Okay. Um, if we could do maybe an upcoming show uh, and, and just talk about. Um, that's going to win us a lot of converts. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. No, you don't think that's. No, thing? go ahead. Uh, maybe not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's difficult because, you know, there, there's so much to deal with now. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I am a terrible archivist. 
I have folders on my machine for, you know, people, places, projects, trips. And then in each one of those, it's like, you know, somebody's name or some place or whatever. Uh, I keep it all structured on my hard drive in a keyword sort of fashion so that I don't have to go through and actually do keywording to the whole set of stuff. Maybe I'm crazy. So you're using, you're kind of doing, it's more of an Adobe bridge thing. Like you're not really using the tools in, in Lightroom. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not using any of the keywording stuff in Lightroom, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't use light, keywords or labels. If It's all, yeah, I, I structure it on the hard drive in the way that I want it to be. Uh, mostly because I don't trust Lightroom catalogs and I know what I want. Why not just do it? Um, sure. And then there's the the the, advantage, the hidden advantage of if my uh, library ever becomes corrupt, I don't really lose anything except for a few virtual copies you know that kind of stuff. sure sure um mostly it's yeah so mostly it's just everything's in the metadata and the dngs and all the rest of it but uh but you know it's my my whole thing is small you know my my client folder right now is six thousand images my people pictures are eighteen thousand images and you think oh my god that's eighteen thousand you know eighteen thousand pictures a is what a wedding photographer takes in a day yeah in some cases yeah yeah that's nothing you know, in the, in this, in the span of five years, it's nothing. Hey, can we, can we shift gears for a sec? Sure. I, I'm looking at this thing in, in the notes and, uh, you're talking about, there's something about primes versus zooms. What did, did I say something about primes versus zooms or did you, you want it in there? Hmm. I think you wanted that one in there. Did I? I don't I remember so. what that, I don't remember what that was about though. Cause you, you've got a very definite sense of, of, of what you I prefer. have a view. Yeah. Um, why is there, is there science behind it? Uh, as a general rule of thumb, all things being equal, a prime will give you a better picture, higher quality, sharpness, contrast, micro contrast, macro contrast. Uh, they're, they're simpler generally. So you get better quality, uh, less moving parts, less, less to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like primes for two main reasons. One, well, three main reasons. One, I like the quality. Uh, two, I like the break that it gives me while shooting somebody. Explain. How do you mean? Uh, that if I'm taking pictures of somebody with a 35 and I say, you know what? I want a longer lens. I'm going to go pick up an 85 or a 50. That I have to go, that I, I stick, I walk away from the person, I pull the lens off while I'm still talking to them, put the new lens on, can walk forward. There's a sort of a cadence to things. Okay. I like I like that break away from it. So it's not just like, oh, I'm turning my hand and now I'm at 50 and I'm going to keep shooting. It's like, okay, I'm going to step away and D- come back that, to it. Uh, does that reinforce some sort of connection with the subject, do you think? Or does it imply something beyond using a zoom lens or something that a zoom lens doesn't? I think it, I think it can relax uh, a subject a little bit because it makes the whole thing feel a little bit less informal. Uh, they're they're less under a microscope the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the idea that primes tend to be smaller than zooms, so there isn't this big huge lens in somebody's face. It's you know this smaller chunkier thing. So in your hand, it feels it's 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 less intimidating. I think in somebody's hand. Mm-hmm. getting their picture taken, you know, looking at a photographer who's holding a body with a little 51.4 prime is very different than them holding a big giant, you know, 70 to 200 zoom. Right. Aimed at you. Right. Uh, 
So I, I like all of that. Um, and, and I like, I like, I know what a 50 looks like. I know what 28 looks like. I know what 35 looks like on my camera. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I see a picture in my mind's eye with those lenses so that it's nice to be able to go straight to where you want to be. Does that make sense? Sure. When, when did, I mean, I, I remember when I, when I got my, my first SLR, uh, it, it came with a 50 millimeter lens and that yeah. was for a long time. It seems like that was the thing that when you bought a camera, it, the, 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 the standard lens was a 50, right? Yeah. When did it change to zooms? Cause now it seems like the standard kit lens on any camera is basically like an 18 to 55 or something in that range. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 18 to 55 and a crop. So like a, a, a 28 to 70 kind of thing. Right. 28 to 70, 28 to 80, somewhere in that range on a, on a, on a full. When, when did that shift and why do you think it shifted? I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I, I think it shifted because I think people want, a lot of the people who are buying cameras want convenience, right? Mm-hmm. It's that it's not as much about image quality to them as it is about, being able to get the shot of their kid on the bat on the, on the field at soccer practice. Sure. Uh, and I think for those kinds of situations, sure. A zoom, you know, if you're only going to have one lens, sure. Get a zoom that, you know, but it's funny that you say that because I think something, a lot of things got really lost in that transition mm-hmm. because then you have these, these, first of all, if you give somebody who's only ever used a zoom, that's a slow zoom, like a F three, five or an F four zoom. Right. And typically they're variable. They're like three, five to five, six. Exactly. If you, if you've only ever used a zoom like that and you give somebody a prime lens, like a, 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 you know, a 51, eight, like a hundred dollar 51, eight or $200 51, eight. They're usually like, oh my god, because then you can get the nice bokeh, you can get out of focus backgrounds. The sure. the, the viewfinder is brighter. There's another big advantage. Uh, so you, I think that people go to those things and they say, oh my god, my favorite lens is you know that one uh, fixed focal length lens that I have, that one prime, and usually like it's a fifty or something like that. But I know a number of people who have a fifty and a zoom. And they stick with the 50 all the time because that's what they like. Right. Because the zooms come with it. It feels like it's thrown in, you know? Right. Uh, I think it's more it's more about convenience than anything else. But I think that that convenience is a bit of a fantasy. Sure. Yeah, you can, you know, zoom out and go longer. But you also need a lot more light. Or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you also don't have the control you have uh, with a nice fast prime. Uh, I, I think it should go back the other way. I think they should start selling these things. Uh, with with an option of of getting a kit with a with a prime lens, I think that would be right. nice. Uh, look, you know, Cartier Bresson shot almost all of his pictures, like ninety something percent of his pictures, with a fifty millimeter lens. So obviously, it can be done. Right. It's a certain way of looking at the world. You know, there are limitations. I wouldn't give a sports photographer a fifty millimeter lens or a thirty five wide angle. You know, because they're hundred meters away trying to take pictures of some tennis player. That's not going to look very good. Sure. But for your general person who's trying to learn photography or trying to get ahead or trying to create more of a uh, a vision of what they're trying to, you know, some sort of cohesive set of work, I think it's a great idea. I mean, you were thinking on your new camera just to get a single prime and work with that for six months or a year. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's that's basically the short list was uh, and still is, um, is a Fuji X-Pro with the, the 3514 and right. shoot with that for a year right. and shoot – 
just with that for a year yeah, and see what comes out of it. You know what? You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, people, people go crazy. People, you know, people think they need more than they need. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. That might be a good way to say it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You, you, I mean, you're right. It, there was a change at a certain point. People still look at, I mean, I, the only zoom I have, I have one of those 24 to one Oh fives, but the only time I ever use it is when I travel really. Or if I'm going into a situation that I have no idea what I'm going to be doing and I can't carry six different lenses mm-hmm. or don't want to carry like all of my primes or think I might need to go longer than my 35 or, you know, don't want to have to switch lenses a whole bunch cause I'm in a crowd or it's dusty or I'm on the beach or something. Yeah, sure, I'll use the zoom, but I don't like it. But right. I've but I've friends who are professional photographers who, you know, my friend Randy used to have an entire bag full of high end primes, and he get, sold them all. Went to a twenty four to one hundred five f four. Uses that for everything. Never leaves his camera. And that's it. Wow. That's it. Uh, I just I remember when I first got a zoom lens. I had a I mean I had a Pentax Super Program fifty millimeter one point eight. And when I, I, you know, I saved up and saved up and got a 70 to 200 zoom. And I just thought, uh, I am, I am the cat's meow now. I've got yeah. a 70 to 200 yeah. zoom, you know? And it was like a 70, 200 F four, five or something, right. you know? I find, uh, see, it's funny because a lot of people find zooms very, uh, freeing. Mm-hmm. I find them very constrictive because the kinds of pictures that I want to take, I usually, I'd rather be able to work in lower light. I'd rather be able to have a shorter depth of field. I'd rather, you know. Yeah. The the fact that I can go from focal length to focal length is not worth giving up all of those other things for me. When you, when you first decided, this is something I don't, I don't think I've ever asked you this. When you first decided to make portraits, you, you, your portraits are kind of against in many ways, the popular wisdom that, you use longer lenses. You use the the you know the one thirty five and above because it's flattering and it compresses and it you know separates the background and blah 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 blah. You you your portraits are are decidedly opposite in that respect. In that you shoot at quite often twenty eight is your favorite lens, right? Yep. So you're you're shooting pretty wide, um, maybe a fifty every once in a while. The longest lens you own, I think you said last week, was was an eighty five. Yeah, the eighty five. I mean, I have the one hundred five, but I never use it at the long end. What, when you're making this choice, because it was a conscious choice, why, what, what got you there? It wasn't a conscious choice. It was, well, I mean, it was a conscious choice in the sense that yes, I decided, but, um, I didn't start the, 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 the gear came out of the way I, the pictures I liked. Mm-hmm. So and I, who were you looking at? I mean, who got you there? Oh no. I mean, looking at my own pictures. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, that I would have these, that I would have these different lenses and I would take a bunch of pictures of people and I would gravitate towards the ones taken with the wide angle lenses. I think part of it is I I like having, um, I like having space around people. I like seeing their environment. Did you start tight on people? Did you start with a tighter lens Um, and move back? Yeah. I mean, I was never into really long lenses. Uh, I think I had, what did I have? My first real camera about 10 years ago after I had a Pentax K1000, right? So that was like a 50 millimeter lens. I had a, uh, a Canon. Oh, it was the 28 to 135 lens on a Canon full frame, you know, on a, on a full frame, on a, on a film camera, <laughs> uh, a Lon seven. Okay. And, um, 
you know, I used that for a while and then I, I got a, a, a 17 to 40, you know, the, the zoom. Okay. The four F four. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. had one of those for a while. And, and then when I started really getting into photography, I, I started buying primes and I, I started with the wider primes. So I think it's, it's a, it's a combination of what I, the situation I was in and how I learned and everything. Uh, do, do you think the graphic of, design background helped or the art direction background helped because you, 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 you were dealing with these concepts of like space versus negative space and that sort of visual tension? Uh, not consciously. Okay. In fact, I don't even think about that stuff now consciously. Mm-hmm. I'm, when I'm taking pictures, I'm not thinking, oh, I need to move this a little bit over here so I can have more negative space or whatever. I, I if, if, if that ends, if I end up getting that, at the end of the the process, that's great. But if I I find that if I think about that stuff and I try to tick all the boxes while I'm taking pictures, I'm I'm missing the point. Usually, you know, uh, that that if it's not coming intuitive, the best stuff that works when it comes to the rules is the stuff that you intuitively followed the rules. And it became a good picture. And then you could go back and see, see how his head ends up at you know, the right. golden ratio of whatever, like the people not are, looking through the viewfinder and going, okay, I need to be at top left yeah, third or exactly yeah, okay. where, where's my little grid so I can line it up. Like if you're taking pictures like that, then, you know, use that as a guide to look through your thing every once in a while and go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's how people do this stuff. But don't, if you're relying on that stuff, it's way too cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I like, I, but if you look at my pictures, most of the wide angled stuff is not, close up wide angle shots so that the people look weird or distorted. Right. You know? They're they're not like a big head like a like the platon kind of Exactly. I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not taking, you know, portraits from the floor, you know. <laughs> right. Uh I'm, I I will I will use a wide angle lens to, to a larger to a larger effect. There's also the fact that a lot of the places that I'm shooting environmentally, I don't have a lot of room. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like I could back up 20 feet and use a longer lens. To, to flatten their perspective. I also like separating the people from their background. So a lot of times, even in that picture of Obama, the one from last year, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you can see in that, that behind the scene shot, he's a long way from that back, the wall and the flags. Yeah. I mean, he's probably 12, 15 feet. Exactly. I don't have 12 or 15 feet between my subject and the wall behind, you know, I need to right. separate them a lot faster than that. Uh, so if if that means that if I'm only three feet away, I got to use a wider lens to get more of it in and and to have them have the perspective like sp- have it have it all spread out behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's more of a it was less of a conscious decision and more of a uh, 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 an evolution okay. of the way I work. But okay. again, like we said last week, I feel like I I, I, I it's a crutch now, you know. That you're relying on it, picture yeah, to picture. Yeah, that what I need to do now is actually move out of that and get into something a little more different, you know. Start using longer lenses Start and, and flatten perspective a little bit because I think sometimes my pictures are a little too deep. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that they are too Z-index or Z-dimension deep, you know. Right, 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 right that maybe I need to flatten things a little more uh, or at least have that tool in my toolbox. And I think that I don't generally work that way and maybe I should, uh, you know, but then again, people like the stuff that I shoot that, I, you know, so you get into these weird things of like, well, why should I change? People like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, it, it, 
you know, if, if that were the case, then you wouldn't keep doing these personal projects. True. True. You know, yeah. uh, but, it, but it definitely was not conscious. I, 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 and the other thing is I like even the high end L zooms on Canon. They're good, especially like the, the 7200s are very sharp and, and some of them are, are excellent, excellent lenses. And it's not to say that they're crap, but if you compare 50 millimeters on a 24 to 70 to 50 millimeter prime, like a one, four or the one, two prime, it's like no contest. Even, yeah. even at, at arm's distance on a print. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe even then it's like, there's just, there's just, there's a nice, it's like, I want to get as much information as I can to my sensor. Mm-hmm. Even, even at 22 megapixels and then, and you know, the Mark three, uh, you need to have good technique and good glass to actually get it so that you're getting different information between two pixels, you know, pixel level density of information. You need sharp glass and you need your technique good and you need everything to be in focus. And so I like the idea that I need to feed my camera with as good a light as possible. Sure. And that means that I'm using high end primes. And I also, there's, there's a certain amount of belief that, uh, you know, I, I, I can't blame my camera if my lenses are all the best ones you can get. Oh, this picture wasn't good enough. Well, then it's your fault, Bill, because you're using a $2,000 prime lens. Right. And, right, you know, right. and the other nice thing is that even if you do have enough light, let's say you have enough light. And this is going to be dorky for 30 seconds. Sorry, guys. Uh, if you have enough light to shoot at F4 or F5, 6 or whatever it is, your prime stop down to F4 is going to look a lot better than your zoom stop, your 2.8 zoom stop down to F4. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, because your zoom is only stopping down eh, one stop, where your prime is now stopped down two or three stops from its most wide open. So you know, as as things usually when you stop down lenses towards like f eight, f eleven, they get sharper as time goes on. So it's sort of like you're you're even you're even more in the sweet spot with a fast prime than you would be with a with even the good zoom. You know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. can take the same lens, the same shot with my you know twenty four to one hundred five f four at f4 but if i shot the same thing with a prime at f4 oh it's going to be so much better because like wide open zooms are at their worst you know they need to stop down a little bit i don't know so you're t- especially you're taking in the as much as you can yeah you're like, taking as much as you can out of it yeah exactly yeah yeah and then, like even when i go travel and i use that zoom and i come home and i'm like god those corners are really soft you know and if i take pictures with my primes and i come home and i'm like look at the look at the you know a leaf in the upper left-hand corner and it's like tack sharp hmm. okay. something to say for that yeah it's it's interesting that you that you will and i'm sure a lot of other people do this that that, that you you go to that that level of of taking excuses away so that it really comes down to what you see through the viewfinder well i try to or, yeah, that's what I mean. The, the, the goal is to take as many of those things as what, away. Yeah, and I mean, so that that is the only reason that I tend to buy fancier gear, better gear, is that I want to I want to remove excuses. And there's also like a durability factor, and you know what I mean, like the sure. the fancier lenses are a little more hardy and that kind of thing. So yeah, but having dropped a couple, yeah. <laughs> uh, but 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 yeah, I mean, it's you know, the, there's a picture on my website of this guy Carl Piccolo. It's this old old man straight into the camera shot next to a window and uh it's like tack the, sharp on his looks eyes like, like walter cronkite yeah the guy looks yeah. like walter cronkite yeah he is my uh my cousin's grandfather and uh he's a very nice guy well he's well i won't get into that he's he's he, but he's an older man 
he's like 90 something years old. And, you know, I took this picture. I think it was, it was my camera and uh, the 51 force. So it was like a $300 lens. If I showed you the original file of this and maybe I'll put a, a, a crop in the, uh, in the show notes, you would not get this kind of quality with a zoom lens. Just, you wouldn't. I mean, it, it's just, it's so sharp that it's scary. It's like cut you when you're looking at the picture. Wow. So it's like, I like the fact that I can come home and, and, and have a little smile looking at something at a hundred percent and going, Oh my God, look at that. Right. I'm right. a technical wonk, even though we don't talk about a lot of technique or gear. I, yeah, you're I, I'm you're the a biggest pixel gear peeper. person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a pixel peeper. I'm just not a gear head, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm all for high quality. I just don't think that you need to change what you're using every five minutes. And right. I don't think that super high end gear is going to make your picture better. It's going to make the file better. Right. It's not going to make the content or composition any better. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and for most people, it doesn't matter. Okay, yeah. great. It's slightly sharper. You know, even most of the pictures I take, am I actually going to be printing them at 30 by 40? No. I like the fact that I can. Mm-hmm. But you're, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're a guy who's taking pictures of your kids and you're never going to blow them bigger than eight by 10. Okay. It doesn't really matter. You know? Sure. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's just my two cents. Do, do we have, does this get us to where are we going with this? Do we have time to do that? Man, I think we need to put that away. Or, 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 and, and I think we need one more week on that. Okay. Sorry. I, I, yeah, we're, we're, uh, that's big. That's a big conversation. Okay. We're about an hour now. We have all the emails and stuff. That's true. And, and our photog of the week. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to, anything else before? We no, I think on? this is good. I think this is good. This it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's good. Crazy enough that we keep moving this thing off. I know. It's like, we're scared of it. I, I kind of am actually. Are you really? Yeah. Cause I don't know. I don't know where, I, you know, I mean, look, look, it's how many months have I been looking at, at cameras and it doesn't matter. Where are we going uh, with this, Jeffrey? Hey, do, do you want to talk about, do what? Uh, I think we could, we could go straight to the, uh, to the, um, emails. Emails or news stuff? A couple oh, of news things. Did you want to talk about things. Annie? Yeah, we could talk about that. So uh, kind of a polarized thing. There, uh, Annie Leibovitz put up um, – uh, well, she didn't put it up. Uh, she shot a thing for Vogue, um, pitting models alongside of first responders for hurricanes. Okay. Uh, and uh, y- you, had, you had some thoughts about it. You've seen these pictures. I've seen these pictures. What do you think of them? Um, you know, I, I think they're. I, I kind of don't understand the point of them. I, I don't. I don't understand who the the intended audience is, other than to show, you know, beautiful models against regular people or something. I, I, sure. I don't. I don't understand them. Uh, I think that that's part of. Yeah, that's part of the issue. Uh, I. So these pictures, yeah, have beautiful models among a bunch of uh, responders to the hurricane stuff. So it's yeah, Coast Guard, uh, the NYPD, uh, helicopter squads, yeah. uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, a bunch of people moving uh, dried milk and, 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 you know, tissues and stuff into a building in boxes. Uh, and, and then there's hot models sitting on some of the boxes, you know, that kind of stuff. Um I have some personal thoughts about all this and then I have, am I allowed to rant? 
We need a theme song like Bill's Corner. Bill's Corner. He's uh, ranting. <laughs> uh, I think that a couple of these pictures are very f- beautiful photographs. But mm-hmm. you know what? A big giant soft box on beautiful women in beautiful dresses. Yeah, they're going to be beautiful. Sure. Okay. Uh, the flip side of that is I think these pictures are disgusting. <laughs> How uh, so? Well, okay. This is this is my problem. My problem with fashion world in general. I'm not a big fashion guy. Is that they think that they are important. And I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for that. Maybe. Fashion but is c- clarify. Okay. Go ahead. Fashion is what we can talk about when nothing else important is going on. <laughs> when people's houses have burned down and been flooded and been washed away by a hurricane. The fire department in New York City has more better things to do than walk around with a bunch of models on a on a street, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, they think th- there's this perception in the fashion world that like that 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 you know beautiful women in beautiful dresses is as important as first responders getting to hurricane relief, and it's like uh, no, this is Vogue. Get out of the way. We have work to do. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people have better stuff to do. No one, people who just lost their homes don't want to see somebody in a $4,000 dress, you know, when they've lost everything they own. Right. I don't, I don't understand. This is, there's this juxtaposition in these photographs that drives me nuts. It's like, it's like they're trying to, it's trying to be reverential towards the, the people working, the con ed people and the, and the, the national guard and, Police and the and people fire. at the hospital. Yeah. Sure, sure. It's like, okay, well then take the pictures of them. Leave the models right. out of Leave it. Leave the models out of it. What sure. the hell does the models have anything to do with anything? In fact, in the Vogue thing, it says, you know, so-and-so is wearing such and such dress. It's like, no, no, no. That There's no room for that here. Yeah. Take some so fashion did, did, pictures over there and then take the pictures of the policemen over here. The two don't deserve to mix. I think that it's it's offensive. I find it offensive. So you 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 maybe because I live in New York and know people have lost their houses. It's like this is not time for that. You would have more respect for Vogue and and maybe even Annie for just just shooting the first responders and letting them stand on their own, letting them have their fifteen minutes, their day in the sun. Yeah, sure. Without saying, look at this great picture of these guys. Oh, and with these supermodels kind of thing. Yeah, it just, it just, it, it seems vapid. It almost seems like a joke, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's way too close to, to, uh, to being something out of Zoolander. You know, it's like, it's like right <laughs> on that edge. Okay. Um, I, but, but at the same yeah. time, I also think that, I mean, talk about the whole exploitation conversation we've had a number of times. I also think that if you, if Andy Leibovitz had gone down there and set up some paper and a couple lights and taken, you know, intense black and white portraits of, you know, the Con Ed guy and and the nurse from the whatever, I think that's been done so many times. Sure. That it's meaningless as well. You know, it's like, okay, great. I mean, not, not that those people aren't doing good work and everything, but like that trying to up the intensity by scaling it down. Mm-hmm. I think that that has been rehashed so many times as well. So I guess what I'm saying so is that does it come down to intent for you that you, that the, the intent of this is questionable yeah. or, or, or 
Yeah. Absent. Yeah. Pe- people aren't taking, people don't take those kinds of portraits of normal people. They take it of, look at this fireman has just gone through the fire. Right. Okay. You know, and okay. we're going to, and we're going to sell prints of this and give it to the people who are, you know, who are paying for those boxes of Cheetos that are getting pulled off the truck with the model sitting on them. And so it's just like the whole thing just seems so echo chamber, vapid, like it just, it feels like, uh, it feels like Vogue trying to make hay of a terrible thing. Okay. That's what it feels like. It sure. feels like Vogue Vogue and Annie trying to get press, which mm-hmm. they apparently they have. But yeah, I, I mean it's it's you know, a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah, but I ugh, this makes me feel icky. Not so much. This is this is the worst side of fashion to me. Uh I just think that it's gross. It's like, go, you know, if you want to go along and take pictures of these people responding and, and moving boxes and stuff, it's like, okay, it's been done. There are a billion pictures out there just like it. So, you know, we're not really, what are we saying there? You know, right. right, what, right, right. what are we saying there? That's new, right? Is bad stuff happening in the world? Yes. Are there people trying to save other people? Yes. Do we know that? Yeah. All right. So are they, are they wearing Carolina Herrera dresses? <laughs> Yes, apparently, apparently they are. So. I, I, I just don't understand. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand. Maybe I, maybe I'm, I don't know. Yeah, but maybe we can put it in the show notes. See what people think. Uh, yeah, we could do that. I just, see, I, see I think it's think. Ugh, makes ugh. me feel icky. Okay. But I feel icky all the time. <laughs> uh, what else we got? We got another article. Uh, there's another fashion thing. Oh yeah, well, uh, we can save that for. You okay. want to save that? No, no, okay, no, 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 no. Do it, do it. You sure? Yeah. Go. Uh, Norman. Yep. Norman sure. Jean Roy. Uh, sure. Apparently, uh, fashion has been ruined um, by digital. And uh, okay, I, 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 I would like to chime in on this because I, I do, I do see where he's coming from. Okay. Um, and uh, agree with it to a to a large degree. Where is he coming from? Uh, well, the, the, the idea that, um, that there's been this sort of democratization of photography, uh, that, that, uh, how can I say this? Basically what he's saying is, is the, the proliferation of digital has, has taken a lot of the heart out of Photography and his, his his particular genre is is fashion and fashion portraiture and that kind of thing, um, and and shoots film whenever he can. But one of the things that I love that he says is part of a perfect image is that it is imperfect. With digital photography, it's very easy to perfect the image. You kill the image when you perfect it. You basically suck the life out of it. An image to me lives when you can look at it and it's just slightly off. When you put a primary red and a primary green together, you have that vibrancy between the two. A great photograph, not a great picture, needs to have that vibration. It would be very easy to take one of my photographs and I can tell you where I could have fixed this and fixed that. Uh, Okay. I think that that is a somewhat reasonable argument. However, I I – Is that making too much out of it? I think that if the people in 1985 had the tools that we have today, they would do the same damn thing that we're doing. Yeah, but, but don't you think maybe there's, there's a, especially in, in 
and maybe this is why he's hypersensitive to it, especially in fashion and beauty, there is a tendency to uh, overdo, particularly post-processing and skin and, and – sure. But you know, I, but I, but I don't think that that is I don't think that that is uh okay the tools are there the fact that we use them we as the larger we mm-hmm. the fact that we use them to perfect stuff or make things perfect is is yeah okay it's true but but you know we wouldn't do it if people didn't respond to it you know so so you're saying maybe it's just a byproduct of this sort of lifestyle obsession, yeah. celebrity culture, et cetera, I think it's, et cetera. I think it's a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think okay. that I think that to say that the people who were shooting 20 years ago were really doing anything different is not really true. They were just using different tools. And if those people had the same tools, they would be doing the same thing. In fact, many of them are, you know. So maybe the sentiment is, is I don't want to say valid or invalid, but maybe you, you can you can identify with the sentiment of what he's saying, but where the blame has been levied is is maybe incorrect. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a you know a guy who's been around the block kind of complaining a mm-hmm. little bit, you know. And I mean, look, I like I think a lot of his pictures. Well, we can get into that later, yeah. I, but I, you know, he's oh, you know, I shoot film still and blah blah blah. That's okay, great. Okay, but you know what? You're going to have to start shooting digital because it's going away. You know? Right. Sorry. Right. Uh, I wonder if there. He's if, not that old either. He's, he's like no, not at all. Yeah, he's like in his forties. Um, I wonder if at some point we will see kind of a slapback response to to the over processing or over retouching sure, of I'm images. Sure. I, I think he. It's funny because he's one of those guys who's. Um, He's sort of that last group of people, say, who started really shooting 10, 15 years ago, right before things switched to digital. Mm-hmm. And they they sort of, they ended, it's just, it's it's sort of like they they were in the last big Hollywood pictures where people were still stars. Right, right, right. You know, well, and I mean, then everything Heisler changed and they, then they were just like, oh my God, you know. Yeah, yeah. Y- it's, I think it's a little bit sort of like he 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 hit it right at the top of the cult of personality of of photography being special, you know, mm-hmm. and it is special, but it can also be special for everybody. Sure, you know, uh, my special might not be your special. I have certain opinions of what I think is special, but that might not be your opinions, and it isn't for most people. Uh, go ahead. You what Heisler say? Well, it was just in in the the uh, the podcast that we we referenced last week. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, where where Heisler was saying that that he was he felt that he was kind of in that last uh, grouping where a, a photographer really could be unique and stand out. Yep, and be identified yeah. by his or her work. And maybe that's some of what is going on in here. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe this is a little bit of a therapy session for him. Maybe, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting little uh, interview. Either way, yeah. We're, we're gonna put it. It's uh, what is it from New York Magazine? New York Magazine. Yeah. Uh, we'll put it. We'll put it in the uh, in the show notes. An interesting thing he says. Uh, this is just a a, a different different world. Um, and he was saying that uh, he is not interested at all in revealing himself to subjects. It's not the purpose of what I'm doing. Right. 
but at the same time, I, it's funny because I am a portrait photographer and I think I'm a fairly good portrait photographer. And I think that exposing myself in a non-creepy sense to my subjects is part of what makes me get good pictures out of my subjects. So I think that this is an opinion, not a fact. Sure. You know, that kind of thing. So everyone's well, got their different way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's all I was going to say. So no, it's good. It's good. Uh, uh, you, want, you want to do some emails? Yeah. What do you got? Uh, uh, Ryan. Ryan's wrong. What did Ryan say? <laughs> Ryan, sorry. <laughs> no, there was a, a, a question about printing and, and uh, oh, no, geez. Now, do I not have the email directly in front of me? Of course I don't. <laughs> Jeffrey. Live podcasting. Jeffrey, you idiot. Uh, th- basically, what, what, he's, what he's asking is, is ha- has your opinion or response to an image changed after seeing it in print? Uh, yeah, and after or, or does it mean it more in print in than print. it does? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, had a, I had a discussion with um, uh, Edward Tufty. Uh, a while back and he's um you know who he is he's the the information designer or whatever it is and he was saying that he likes photographs backlit on screen so almost like on a transparency film like in a light box type yeah thing? which you know if you really think about it is kind of what pictures on your uh there's less of a third dimension than there is in those situations but it does have that kind of uh feel on the screen you know, mm-hmm. uh, so he likes it there and I, I kind of disagree with him just cause I like the resolution of, uh, the, the fancier stuff, you know, uh, but yes, I've had that, although less of it now than I used to. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, so, so, well, actually, no, now that I think about it, no, it doesn't because it, I mean, pre-digital, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. That I digital, um, not pre-digital, but like as time goes on, I am, I, I still love prints, but I find less of a difference between not less of a difference, but I find them both equally good. Okay. Uh, does the, does the size of the print make an impact on, on, aesthetics and appreciation do you think there's there's an argument there because we, we had mentioned uh the uh oh gosh was it delacroix the gigantic yeah, yeah. paintings i think that the media mediocre photos printed really big can, can be pretty cool mm-hmm. uh i think that uh but 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 is that a good thing or is that just a weird uh side effect of human perception yeah is it is it bigger is better kind of a, a thing right yeah uh, I don't know. I go back and forth. Uh, but I will say that, uh, sure, I mean, yeah, I've, there, there have been pictures that really, I like the, per- he, it's funny because he's talking about shooting the ocean and how he sees photographs of a wave about to crash or whatever it is that he said, I think he says something about getting his heart pumping, right? Right, right. I actually get a, the opposite effect of that in my photos in print most of the time it's sort of the the permanence of it in print calms me to the photograph mm. that the photograph is now complete because it's on paper mm-hmm. it's this mm-hmm. is a finished product and that somehow is sort of its lowest potential energy 
Interesting. You know? Yeah. Sort of like a ball at the bottom of the hill. Right, right, to right. To me. Uh, so, yes, prints affect me, but not in the way that it affects him. But maybe that's just because of the kind of pictures I take. Where do you sit? Um, I'm kind of in the middle. Okay. Of of, of the two of you. Um, I I think that that I have seen something in print and and at, at least of of my own photography, which is mediocre at best. Uh, that I respond to in print okay. more than I respond to on, on a monitor. Um, and I think maybe that's because I came from traditional media. Right. And wh- you know? what would that say about your work that you're really happy with then? I mean, if you were taking work that was blowing you away, if you saw it in print, then would you like lose your mind? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe if I used the San Gabriel semi-gloss, paper oh i like it better in black and white (laughs) yeah i mean i I agree with you there there is something about the tactility of print and i think it's it's why i still enjoy reading books more real books as opposed to reading them on on you know my my tablet or you know ipad or whatever um there's a there's a tactility there's a way that 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 the light changes over the surface of of actual pieces of paper that that it's romantic to me. There's a, there's a romance to analog media that I still, there's a perfection to digital media that, that maybe or maybe not can be achieved in, in printing or analog media, but there's, there's a visceral quality to analog media that I still have yet to experience to the same degree looking at a screen. Okay. That's fair. Which Uh, is weird because I'm so moved by film, like movie, Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're an enigma. I've always <laughs> said that. <laughs> uh, All right, we got two two more emails. What do you got? Uh, you want to do the dreams? The dreams email? Yeah, where's that one? Uh, do 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 This was uh Rick. Was that no no that wasn't Rick. Although Rick's email is very nice. He just said nice things about us. It was Jim. Oh, Jim, right? That was Jim uh, Azevedo. Yeah, this was uh, a couple weeks ago. Sorry about that, Jim. We didn't get to it last week. Um, he says he's not expecting this is something we can uh, comment about or respond to, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, screw that, Jim. We're taking it on. Uh, the thing that, uh, quoting him, the thing that few of us are taught is that it's good to have dreams and that we should keep them right out in front of us, in front of everything else every day. Maybe they won't come true, but when, uh, but when will you know for sure? Maybe five minutes before you die, you'll have to admit that some of your dreams won't come true. Who cares? In five minutes, you'll be dead anyway. So it's kind of a short-term disappointment. <laughs> in the meantime, your life, uh, in your, all your life, you've had your dreams, and some, uh, maybe some of them will come true, or at least a little bit true. Man, Curry. Uh, more importantly, that was my parenthetical comment. Yeah. More importantly, uh, you'll get up every day with these living luminous things that are your dreams that boo you up and give you something to reach for to anyone who has at least a bit of creative spirit. This is like fresh air. Every bit is necessary. Uh, screw the screw what people call reality. Creativity thrives on dreams and there's nothing at all wrong with having them. Uh, I, I think we both completely agree. I, yeah, my favorite, uh, line in this, um, is in the meantime, all your life, you've had your dreams. Maybe some of them will come true or at least a little bit true. 
Yeah. I think we often, we often put so much pressure on success and failure at, at, at the cost of small successes and even small failures. True. That even a dream coming a little bit true is valid. And even a dream coming a little bit true is better than, than staying home and just watching TV all day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. You don't have to be Michael Jordan, but you can play in the NBA. Sure. You know, you don't sure. have to be, uh, you know, Saul Leiter, but I can be in a group show in Portland, Oregon or something. You know what I sure. mean? And, yeah. and, and that still fuels you. That still gets you uh, further down the road of this, of this journey, whatever your journey may be. Uh, I think that it's, I think that the, the idea you know, it goes back to our whole thing of people saying, "Oh, what does your friend's father say?" You know, if they, if if it uh, they don't call it work for nothing, right, right. If it was supposed to be, if if it was fun, they wouldn't call it work, right. Okay, <laughs> it's like that whole that whole sort of mentality is just depressing as hell to me. Yes, if, if that's what life was, then what's the point? Right. Uh, I think that I think the gym makes a lot of good points. I think that. Uh, I have a hard time often remembering, keeping it in the front of my mind that those dreams are okay to have and that I I will only reach my dreams if I have dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if you're if you're never daring to do anything new, then then, you know, you're just going to do the same stuff your whole life. And then you're going to bitch and moan about the fact that you never did anything new. Right. Uh, so you, you have to have these crazy things. And, you know, a lot of times they do come true. You know, I haven't had a boss in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are jealous of that. Well, you know what? Like, it's, I'm not doing anything that special. You know, I'm probably not making as much money as you are, you lawyer, making 300 <laughs> grand a year. But You lawyer? <laughs> tends to be a lot of lawyers who bitch and moan about the fact that they have to have bosses and work too many hours. So, well, yeah. look, there's something to be said about, you know, if, if you're, if you're that unhappy and I, I spent a good portion of last year, very unhappy. Um, and there's the realization that if, if, if you're that unhappy, the things that you're doing each day are only allowing you to wake up tomorrow and be that unhappy again. Yep. And you know what? You could die tomorrow. Do something today. Yeah, you could. So yeah, th- this, uh, as I, I responded to Jim and I, I said, look, this, this came at exactly the right time. Right. So thank you for that. Uh, so Jim, we're, we're not giving your email short shift. We just don't have anything to say because we agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jim, for that. Uh, and uh, how about Sam's email? Let's go through that one quick. Uh, Sam. Let's see where this one came to F and B. I'd like to say that I'm offended, Sam, that you didn't send it to both of us. (laughs) Look, if you want Jeffrey to answer it, you can go listen to the Jeffrey show. That's on a different network. Uh, You know what, Sam? Screw Bill. Keep him coming. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah. Okay. So uh, real quick. Uh, I love the OTP podcast. Look forward with, to your conversation with Bill every week. Uh, I'm an ER physician. After finishing a long and grueling residency this past July, I have returned to my passion for photography that started while taking a few classes in college in the dark ages of the late 90s. Uh, <laughs> so he, he had a Konica rangefinder. Right. He sold it to pay for books. He regrets it. 
and he's looking to get back into it. He's, you know, taking more pictures. Uh, got his, himself a Yashica mat. Interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting reflux. choice, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a fake rolly, right? Isn't that what those things are? Yeah, but uh, they're great. Uh, and, and he hasn't been that impressed by the results so far. But anyway, he's wondering, basically, uh, if, I'd, if you have any thoughts about the best way to get an honest assessment of my work. Do I start a website and put the work out there? Find photographers willing to mentor me via Skype. Why via Skype? You can't do it any other way? No, no people locally? Uh, try workshops. I'm skeptical, but would be willing to give it a try if it were the right teacher. Uh, goals are not to sell his work or make a living from photography, only to push myself a little further. Which uh, I love that. That's fantastic. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, make a website and put your work out there. Sure, you can, but you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a lot of people who say, this sucks. This is awesome. Yeah. It's uh, very so- polarized and... Uh- yeah. Sure. Yeah. Put stuff on Flickr and you'll get lots of people commenting. But will any of that actually make you if you listen to what everyone says, you're never going to make any decisions on your work. You have to choose people you trust, a small group of people that you trust to comment on your work and and listen to them in some way. Right. Do, do you understand what I'm saying, Jeffrey? Sure. 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 Uh, for example, Jeffrey says all kinds of things about my work and I don't listen to any of it. <laughs> None of it means uh, a damn none thing. None of it means a damn thing. No. Um, <laughs> no, Jeffrey's one of the people that I actually trust to comment on my work and, and, and I take it to heart. But ultimately, the only person that really makes any difference is you, right? I mean, you can compare yourself to other people. You can have other people rank your work. And I know it's a bit of a cop out, but really, you can only trust yourself uh, to assess your work honestly, uh, at least if you back up and, and, and look at it honestly. And be willing to say, you know what, this is no good or this is good or, you know, a lot of times it's easier to say this is no good than to say that it is good mm-hmm. to yourself. Yeah. Um, I don't think about that, everything. Right. <laughs> if you're looking you know, if you want to get your work out there and want people to see it and stick it up on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah. You know, start a website and put it out there. Will you yeah. actually get information that's actually going to help you be a better photographer? No, uh, not. Yeah. You'll, you'll get great, you know, great work. Love it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whatever, you may get but- some likes and some pats on the back, but it's not going to make you a better photographer. Right. Um, right. Uh, workshops, eh, maybe. I, I mean, I've done, I've taught workshops before. I hope that the people who've taken them have gotten something out of them. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of workshops, I mean, we've talked about this before, a lot of that kind of stuff. And I think there's a place for certain ones of them. I think other ones of them are a bunch of malarkey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of it is somebody giving you the permission to try stuff you could try on your own. Sure. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, find somebody, a mentor via Skype. Yeah, that could work. If you find somebody who you trust, who will spend time and talk to you about stuff. If, if it's process, if it's, if it's, you know, composition and what about a, a local community college or something? Yeah, uh, but you know, you don't need to take a class. You could just even be like a, maybe, maybe a photo group, like a meetup kind of thing. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. As long as they're people that you respect and trust, you know, uh, does he say where he lives? Um, I don't think he does. No. Okay. No. So assume for the, for the moment that he lives in some sort of city or larger thing, there's gotta be people around who, you know, right. who, who we can find to trust. Uh, I think in person helps. Although, I mean, look, Jeffrey and I have met three times in our lives, twice in our lives. So obviously you can make friends via Skype, but you know, there's, there's a bigger thing here. 
I think I think I think a lot of this I think sm- a smaller amount of feedback is better. Um, and I think that ultimately it's all got to go through the filter of what you think about the work. And that is a slow and arduous journey to get better. There's no quick answer to this. No, but the, the, the fact that, that uh, the fact that he his, wants to get better is the most important thing. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say is, right. is you're not looking right now to say, I want to make a living as a photographer. Yeah. You're saying, you know, I, I want to push myself further. Now I would imagine that, uh, Sam, if if your work was deemed good enough, whatever that means, uh, that that maybe a career in photography is on the horizon. Is that something that you're open to? Um, it sounds like you are, but you you really want to to push yourself and and learn the craft is what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, in which case, keep taking pictures and keep looking at them, and then go back and look at pictures from three weeks ago or three months ago. And compare, and you'll notice that you are getting better, yeah. you know, and highlight the pictures that you really like and get them printed and stick them in a box. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the digital age has made a lot of this stuff easier, but it hasn't changed the process. Right. It sped up the process in some ways, but it sure hasn't made it easier to purchase a camera. <laughs> At least if your name is Jeffrey Sidoris. Uh, is that it for the emails? Uh, there was a, uh, a signal to noise. Is that that's not no, that's something yeah, else, that's right? Separate. Yeah, we'll it's separate later. Uh, yeah, I think we're good. Okay, uh, today's photographer is uh, we're, we're gonna go with Norman Jean Roy. Yeah, do you, what do you think of his work? Uh, the first couple times I, I saw it, I thought it was Danny Leavitt's. Yeah, and it's I don't mean that a... as a as a slam at all, I think it's. It's very slick. It's very polished. Um, a lot of his stuff has uh, really great light in yeah. it. And I really like his use of light. Some of his uh, photographs, I think, are wonderful. I think that his work has slightly less cohesive uh, feel than some other people. I don't automatically look at one of his pictures and know that it's his. Mm-hmm. It could be his, it could be Annie's, it could be Seliger's, it could, you know what I mean? Sure. But I think that's a lot of people in that era, you know, in that in that sort of place, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, um, I, I uh, like I said, I, I like his work. So he's a portrait um, photographer, obviously, we were just talking about it, he likes to shoot a lot of film. Uh, I think a lot of his pictures are great, I think other ones are just like, okay, well, that's okay. And I think there's a lot more retouching to these things than he wants to admit uh i don't know like some of these pictures are beautiful and uh hmm interesting that's really perfect you know i love the pictures of alec baldwin that he did for vanity fair yeah yep alec baldwin ones are good a lot of his pictures are really good i i like his shots of uh of um george clooney my my boyfriend george clooney (laughs) Uh, you like the george clooney uh, he's a good-looking man. Never, yeah. never thought so until I met him in real life. But, and and apparently, uh, salt of the earth. Very nice guy. This guy, yeah. No, or, no, no. Oh, George, George Clooney. Clooney. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, George Clooney. Uh, I told you the story about Heather friend Raj, right? Yes. Yeah, it's a good, good story. Good stuff. Uh, so you know, I what I like about Roy's photographs um, when he's for me when he's kind of firing on all on all cylinders is. 
they feel very cinematic. Yes, they do. Yep, true. Um, I I even like the uh, the uh, sort of Kate Blanchett homage to Avedon of yeah. uh, Dovima and the Elephant. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I think that was that was pulled off well. It didn't look like a, a knockoff, but he he really kind of put some of himself into it. Yeah, but it's funny that like that reference, you wouldn't get it unless you had seen the original. Right. You'd be like, what the hell is she doing with an elephant? <laughs> uh, and of course, you, you really can't go wrong with Kate Blanchett. Not at all. No one's taking a bad picture of that woman. I don't think ever. I, I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of, I like the fact that a lot of it's backlit mm-hmm. heavily. Um, I think, yeah, his light is very good. He does, he does well mixing uh, available light with uh, a fake light. Is okay on on his his photographs. Technically, when when I'm looking at some of his photographs, and particularly those that are that are kind of backlit, and and the camera side surface of of his subject is in shadow, is that tough to pull off? Tough uh, to pull off this well. Give me an example. Which which give me a well. Listen. I mean. Gosh, there, there's one of Dante Ferretti. There's, oh, okay, there's yeah. one of okay. Olivia Wilde where she's yep. kind of outdoors. Okay, the Dante Ferretti is a good one. Uh, is that hard to pull off? Well, I mean, there's almost certainly uh, light in the foreground lighting him a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like that picture, there is the light coming in from behind, the big giant 2K or another right, right, right. like 4K, 8K lights. Uh and then there's there's got to be a strobe coming, which is lighting the model and lighting him, you know. And there could very well be a reflector over on to the to his left, to the you know cam- off camera right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a very beautiful shot, but it's it's all about getting the equipment right. This is not a particularly difficult thing to do. I mean, if he didn't have another flash lighting the model and lighting the guy, mm-hmm. then yes, that would be a very difficult shot. But again, lighting is not. Uh, um, it's it's not brain surgery. You know, most lighting is like, okay, what did you do there? There aren't that many options, and most people aren't using more than a couple lights. So, you know, take your time, figure it out. And trying to recreate things, a lot of times it's difficult because it's you're never going to be able to exactly replicate a certain other person's light because it was in that place at that time with that, you know, unless you're in a completely black box and have exactly the same gear, it's never going to look right. exactly the same. But that's all right; it doesn't have to look exactly the same. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think his work is great. Uh, I think that it's very. Um, I don't. Know, yeah, I like the I like the idea that it's uh, he does different stuff with each person. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I just I can't tell if he has a a vision. But then again, I don't have a vision. So what the hell do I know? Um, I think he yeah, does, I, you know what he does? He does good work with, with bright midday sunlight too. Mm-hmm. Again, usually with beautiful women, you know? Well, but the, this, this idea of backlighting things, I mean, it's something that I, there's an, there's an interesting feel to it. And the people that do it well, like him. Yep. I, I love how it turns out. Yeah, I do too. Uh, there was a shot that he did um, of Denzel Washington that is is fantastic you know he's he's warm on one side he's cool on the other he's backlit but then there's this ah it's just i don't know 
it's inspiring stuff. I like looking at work like no, this. No, it is. And and they're all different and they're all ones that you could sit there and analyze and pull apart, which mm-hmm. is always a nice thing. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, man. Daniel Craig's a good looking guy too, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like Daniel Craig. Bastards. And he's a shot of Hugh Jackman. Again, he seems to backlight men more than he does women. Yeah. Yeah, and and the backlights generally are like warmer. They're like they have like gels on them, or they're 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 tungsten, you know, where everything else is. Uh, like even that picture of Denzel. Look, it's Denzel moved his head. It's there's a flash. It's a longer exposure because you see how his hair on the right hand side. You're talking about the Men's Vogue cover. Yes, you could see his hair on the upper right is a little blurred. So oh, this, okay. So this he was moving, and this is like a, he dragged the shutter basically. Yep. So the okay, front of Denzel is kind of sharp because that was probably completely in shadow, but the back stuff, see all along the edge of his coat too, is a little blurred. Yes. It's interesting. You can pull stuff apart. See, not a technically perfect photograph, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a it's great got photograph because yeah. it's got Denzel Washington in it. Yeah. Anyway, put it out there. Uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Uh, just, uh, you know, tell, tell your friends. Yep. Spread the word. Go review if you want to get a hold of us. It's podcast at ontakingpictures.com. And uh, we both tweet. I'm at Bill Wadman on Twitter, and you're at Jeffrey Sidoris, J E F F E R Y, Sidoris, double D one R. Yes. Uh, and uh, what's our phone number there? You got that handy? Our phone number is area code 347 687 9411. 347 687 Nine four one one, and you can call and leave us a voicemail. Yes, which we may play on the show, <laughs> or we may just talk about. Uh, depends on how good your voice is. If it sounds like mine, we'll probably just talk about it. If it sounds like Jeffrey's, we'll play it. On no, the show. no, 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 no. Um, uh, anything else? Nope, we're good. Okay, uh, go check it out uh, on takingpictures.com slash podcast for the show notes, and we will see you all next week. See you next week.